Welcome to Empire Building, the podcast where we talk about building big businesses and even bigger lives. I'm your co-host, Via Williams. I'm Seychelle Van Poole. And I'm Wendy Papazan. All right, guys, we are in part two of our wealth building series, kicking off January 2023. What, what? And today we're going to be talking about the six tactics. Actually, we're only going to cover three of them today, but we're going to be talking about the six tactics to build massive wealth. Um, really tactics, habits, whatever you call it, whatever you're doing on a daily basis to help you build your money is super important. Um, Literally, guys, the things that you're doing today are determining your future. I'll say that again. The things you're putting in place today are literally determining your future. So again, if you're driving in your car, you're probably going to want to listen to this one later and write some of these things down. And we're going to kick it off with what I arguably would, would, argue, would say is that the number one tactic for building massive wealth, the number one habit for building massive wealth is to really focus on your net worth versus your mm-hmm. income your net worth versus your income. And this is a really different way of thinking about it because as kids, we're taught to, you want to make a lot of income, right? You want to be a doctor, you want to be a lawyer, you want to be a dentist because all of those things give you a big income. However, if you're making $250,000 a year as a doctor and you are spending $251,000 a year, you are what? Well, you're negative. You're in debt. You're, you're not. You're in debt. You're negative. Yeah. yeah. And Wendy, I think that's you how are, most people you define wealth. You are actually wealth. negative. You're in debt. I I used to define 100%. wealth that way. If I how made a lot of money, I was wealthy. Yeah, that's how I used to define it. Yep. 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 How much money can you spend? You know, it's like Morgan Housel tells us it's ex- the exact opposite. It's not about what you yeah. spend; it's about what you don't spend. Yep. Yeah. So walk us through what is who wants to who wants to tackle it? Who wants to talk about net worth? Tell us what it is. Well, you know, when you think about focusing on your net worth to start out, what you first want to figure out is like what you have, right? So it is really it's tracking your debt and it's tracking your assets. And so for me personally, like my favorite thing is a spreadsheet. I don't need it for everything in my life, but for this a spreadsheet's a beautiful thing. And, you know, if you need help with putting this together, we have a lot of templates and ways that we walk you through how to do this with our Net Worth Club. So you can go to networthclub.com if this feels overwhelming for you to put together. Um, and we can help. We actually have a whole club geared around this uh, to help you track, build, grow your net worth. So networthclub.com is how um, you can go to find that. But if you're creating it yourself, Really, there's two separate sides. You know, if you're doing a simple spreadsheet, it's all your assets you list and all your debt. And so, you know, let's talk about what are assets actually. And these are things you actually own. So if you own your home, that goes in there. If you own your car, if you own, um, if you have a checking or a savings account, or maybe you have a 401k or a Roth IRA, Um, you might have investment properties in there. Um, So those are all examples of assets. Um, You might have a business. Yeah, a business could be on there as well. And I would love to hear from you guys. When you're putting your assets on your sheet, 
Like for me, I always use a really conservative number. Like um, I'm not like, ah, this is uh, this is going to be worth 10x someday. Or this is like, if I sold this at the peak of the market, this is what it's worth. Like I went and looked at our numbers last week and our assets for real estate are valued more at fire sale numbers than they are at like peak market numbers. So we are about... 10 to 20% below market value for our asset valuations because it's a like when I'm tracking my net worth, I want to know like a good secure number of like, oh no, the sky is falling and I need to sell something really fast. Um, number. I don't know about you guys. I'd be curious how y'all like value quote unquote your assets when you're putting them on your sheet. How do well, you how really do you look specific. at those? Yeah. Like so what we do is we first the first thing we do is we go through all of our cash accounts. So that can be investment, 401k, you know, anything yep. in the bank, right? So that's our first thing. We go through cash. I'm looking at my sheet right now. Mm-hmm. And then what we do is we go through any financial instrument mm-hmm. investments, which we don't really have a lot. I mean, I play around with that, but that'll be we'll get there. We'll get there. We just don't have a lot right now. But um mm-hmm. sorry, I'm looking yeah. my 401k, my IRA are in my investment column, not in my cash, not in my cash sheet. And then for assets, to your point yeah. about valuation, I do put market value for my real estate. I I really do um when I run my net worth every two to three mm-hmm. months is kind of when I, I tend to run it. I know we train to do it monthly and I mm-hmm. encourage you to do it monthly. The the fact is I'm I'm a very authentic person. I'm not gonna tell you something I don't do. I do it every two or three months. And um, uh, I do market value. I just kind of take a look at, at Zillow, Redfin, where I think the market is, you know, just kind of my knowledge. And I, I plug in that number for business. I don't really add mm-hmm. my business. I I put a very, because I'm working in my business. I don't think there's a lot of value there without me in it. So I think I plug in, I have the standing right. like $100,000. I could at least, which is very low. Someone would buy my book of business for much, I would get much more than that, but it's, so it's effectively not a factor. And then mm-hmm. uh, automobiles, um, mm-hmm. and then I've got like furniture, art, you know, any any other physical, tangible asset. And then um, I'm just looking here. Mm-hmm. That's it. I also put like if we've invested in a business, like a, a seed capital, or we've invested in a business and it's like yeah, a debt owed have to go on here. coming yeah. back to us, um, I do put that in as a balance too. Um, Wendy, anything else on the asset side before we go to debts and liabilities? <sighs> well, I would just say I offer a different perspective. I just inflate everything for my ego. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, you don't. I just really need to feel good. I just need to. That is so not. I just need to pull people. up my. I just need to pull up my net worth and go. Dang, I am dang, awesome. <laughs> just for your ego, you know. <laughs> you know how sexy I am. Look at my net worth sheet. It's so sexy. I'm um, sexy. Yes. Yeah. So anything else? Like yeah. It. No businesses. We've got assets. Uh, we got profits, interest, or royalties. We got some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, other income, you know, KW profit share. I actually we log that because it's kind of significance. We got yeah. some loans that we've made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then other assets um, and investments. Cash How would account. you log yep. profit yep. share yep. as an asset? Got. Yeah, because cool. that's income. It is, but you're not going to work for it. Like it's going to come to you whether or not you show up. So yeah. I would consider that to be an asset. And it's willable to your kids. So. Well, and we've tracked it. So for the last 22 years, it's gone up about 22% year over year, every year. Uh, and that may change at some point, but it's just I'm a just trying to awesome. figure out how to put that on $70,000 in profit share. Right. We put it like as I, an asset. It's just mm-hmm. an asset. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I, I have mean, to it that under point, uh, other income. Other income. Okay. 
The the other one that we put on ours is our if you have like um whole life insurance or mm. like um like not term insurance but like whole life insurance, the cash balance of it. So don't put the forever balance on it, but the cash balance on it. Um for current value, we stick on there too. That's the other thing we have on there. Well, yeah, and um, I think to be clear, so then, most people's let's move businesses to the next- are a massive line mm-hmm. item on here. Like just to just to go back to that, I work in my business, which is why I have that stance. Most billionaires and wealthy—that's all business assets, right? Because they they have multiples mm-hmm. that they can use and, and whatever. Yeah. I mm-hmm. just want to be crystal clear that that's like a big and they item could sell for it. a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and and what we do, how we value our businesses, is it was our was essentially our uh, net profit from the previous year. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. So it just makes it really simple. Um, you know, and I, and I do work in my business, but I don't like, I'm not like selling in my business. Um, right. And so that's just what we do. Cause I get a salary. So I pay myself yeah. a salary and then we just take the net profit, but it's not valued with my salary in it. <clears throat> and it's a decent salary. So we, I could replace myself and then, just the net profit from the year before. And yeah, it's going to, you know, this year it's going to go down that number for my mm-hmm. real estate business for sure. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, I mean, a lot of our real estate a, assets, you know, your assets are go, go up and down, down yeah. with market changes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, they will. Mm-hmm. That's why I kind of like to hedge low because then if it, the market adjusts down, I'm still feeling good about it. Um, but you know, you could also entice them for your ego if you I want know, to, you know, but don't you just, worry about you didn't get it. to ride the high like we did last year. It was I so fun. Didn't. I did Every not ride any of that. Club, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to sit over here in conservative land and stay, stay, keep my head down we and stay do, steady. So we do a couple properties every two months. So that way it kind of mm-hmm. looks like, like, what was it called? Dollar cost, um, mm-hmm. Dollar cost. Averaging. Dollar cost averaging. Averaging. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of do that with your with your properties. So you kind of, mm-hmm. then you're only updating them really maybe once or twice a year. So. Yeah. No, that's Which is idea. nice. Yeah. So then on your next part of your net worth, you want to take a look at your debts or your liabilities. And so, you know, when we look at what debt is, you know, it's anything that you owe money on. Right. So it could be mortgage loans or investment property loans. It could be credit card debt if you're carrying it, not paying it off every month. Um, Medical debt, student loans, uh, car loans. Um, This can be investments in businesses um, that you have either taken money from investors and you owe it back, or if you have loaned money out and, you know, all of those fun things. Yeah, Wendy. Um, well, I just want, a lot of people ask this question when I teach this, which is people want to know, mm-hmm. like, do I put the value of my house and the value of the mortgage on there? Yes, you do. So basically what you're saying is yeah. my house is worth $250,000. I owe 200000 on it. Then at the end of the day, you got 50000 added to your net worth. Okay. So you want both of them on there. Mm-hmm. So you, you do want the asset and you want the debt and because what Seychelles is going to explain is that you take your assets, subtract the debt out, and then that's your net worth number. Mm-hmm. So, so yep, in the spirit I, I totally of being conservative, uh-huh. yep. <laughs> no, it's super good that you explain that. Um, in the spirit of being yeah. conservative, there's one thing I do yeah. that is not probably legit, but I'll I'll tell you because it might might work with other people. So mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier in another episode, I have three tuitions right now. I, I'm just in the thick of it. I've got mm-hmm. two kids in college mm-hmm. and a, you know, a, a one kid in private Catholic school. And so 
what I do is I ha- if I have a contract to pay a debt, that goes on my net worth sheet and I update it. So it's pro- it's not kosher to do mm. that. Like you you don't have to do that. For me, it's really important to to make sure yeah. it's reflected just for my personal psychology with money. And so I um you know the beginning of a it, it, you know come August, uh, it's lower than it is when I've paid off everything for the year. Although I've noticed the next year is starting the spring. It's almost like a recurring thing. But my balance has changed. Yeah. My balance has changed on that. And I just think if I've signed a contract to pay a debt, that goes on here. And so you can use your discretion. That is, yeah, that's super smart. Yeah, the thing you that. want to do is probably create a tax account. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you own properties outright, and, you know, in Texas, Yo, the Texas. property taxes are very, so very significant. So, so mm-hmm. yeah, you can't it's include painful. that. Yeah, yeah. include that. So have a separate and then, account and then don't include that in your net worth. Like, what do you consider good debt versus bad debt? Well, real estate debt's good debt usually as long mm-hmm. as you're not, as long as you're, you know, breaking even or cash flowing. Mm-hmm. Um, investing in businesses. Yeah. I, I would say... say go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, to me, it comes down to the interest rate you're paying out. And so mm-hmm. like credit card debt is a super high interest rate. And so it is more expensive to carry, you know, credit card debt in large amounts over a long period of time than it is to pay that off quicker. And maybe, you know, than what fast paying on your real estate. If you had the same amount of cash, instead of making two extra payments on your real estate a year at a lower interest rate, you might make sure that credit card debt is wiped first. So for me, it's when we're ever looking at consolidating debt, it's getting rid of the highest interest rate first, highest interest rate, lowest balance, and then stacking it down. Well, I'll just push back on that a little bit. I think if you have, you can have uh, a high interest rate on a piece of real estate and it can still cash flow for you. Yeah, it's about return. So, yeah, that's yes, fair. Yes, it, if it's if it's not a if it's not a if it's not a cash flowing asset, then absolutely, yeah, get rid of it. If you've got a depreciating mm-hmm. asset, which is what I would consider, like a car loan, you know, a car essentially, mm-hmm. the the minute you drive it off the lot, it loses ten percent of the value. So right. you buy a car for fifty thousand dollars, the minute you drive it off the lot, you've lost five thousand dollars. It's basically like taking five thousand dollars and throwing it out the window the second you drive off the lot. Okay, you could buy a one-year car, a car that's one year old, right, for $45,000, and you're not going to lose that right away, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to pay less, and you're not going to lose that money right away. Um, And so anything that's going down in value, you really don't want to have much debt on it at all unless it's cash flowing, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, but like Mm -hmm. to say Shell's point, if you've got debt, and we're not going to really go into debt, like Dave Ramsey and lots of other people talk about have really great strategies for debt. But yeah, you want to think about things that have a higher interest rate as as worse, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then the last thing I would say when you're tracking your net worth is really to look at what your goals are. And we just in the last episode talked about like what's your FU number and what is your cash flow goal and like how do you define success around that? And I think the same thing can be done on your net worth side of really looking at what your net worth goal is, understanding why that's important to you, tying that to your FU number, and then creating your vision for your life around what that looks like. And so if you know, it could be, you know, just a couple of examples. You know, I think the first one we talk about in Net Worth Club is becoming a net worth millionaire, right? A lot of people in this country will never say that that has been achieved by them. And 
you know, to have that, and especially all three of us and Sarah, who's not on today, but also included in that, all four of us, you know, are in the real estate industry. One of the fastest ways to become a net worth millionaire, millionaire is to buy property and to be smart with your investments in real estate. That's one of the fastest ways to wealth in this country. So net worth millionaire is an opportunity there um, to have 10 properties that are cash flowing um, or 10 properties that are worth a certain amount is another easy way to do that. You could also look at it as like, I want to have X amount in passive income a year or a month, which we talked about with your FU numbers. So it's really defining what your financial goals are and then having clarity around where your assets are and your debts are so that you can go after it and see your progress. Um, and tracking it month over month is something we weren't doing until 2021. We'd tracked it forever, but not month over month with the progress. And I will say that's like a hack we added. And it's been so cool just to be able to look back, even with some of the micro changes that we've made in addition to the bigger ones to see that needle move. It's, yeah. And, and you know, like we said, of all of the tactics that we're going to talk about, net worth is the most important one. Um, I recommend yeah. tracking it monthly. And if you need accountability mm-hmm. around that, then join a net worth club. You know, Jay and I always talked about, we want to help people become millionaires. And, and I turned to him one day and I said, well, what are we actually doing to help people? So that's when we started our hot millionaire club on our real estate team and a bunch mm-hmm. of people from, from Jay's team also join us now. And, uh, and then that's how we started Net Worth Club, you know, with our other, with our sister business, Her Best Life. And actually, if you guys are thinking like, gosh, I really need accountability around tracking my net worth, mm-hmm. then I would highly encourage you to join Net Worth Club. It's uh, very low. It's like 25 bucks a month. And it's going to be the best, trust me, the best investment you can make in yourself. And we've actually got uh, we've got a deal going on. I'm not here to like sell you guys, but I do believe this is super important. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if you go to herbestlife.com slash masterclasses, you can get the Her Rich Life on demand and bundled with the Net Worth Club using our special code of EBP, right? For Empire Building Podcast, listeners only. EBP, you can get both of those for 40, sorry, for 449 for the whole year. And we'll um, put that in show notes, right, Wendy? Yep. I'm putting yeah. it in show notes right now for you guys. Yep. Yep. And that's a good deal because prices are actually, prices went up on January 1st. So, yeah. Perfect. That's awesome. So, then what yeah. would you say is tactic two when we're talking about building massive wealth? What's the next one? Well, I think tactic two is really say no to say yes, right? Say no so that you can say yes to the things that matter most. And essentially when we're thinking about money, this is delayed gratification. I can remember going over to my sister's house, who I love dearly, and, um, you know, she's just is not wealthy. And um, she had a lot of like magazines and gum and like a lot of those things that you see in the Mm -hmm. checkout line at Target, right? Where you're just in that line at Target and you just like, oh, I'm going to grab a magazine. I'm going to grab a, you know, $4 container of gum or whatever. And she has these all over the place at her house. And I just know that I I just never buy that stuff, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. There's like nothing wrong with that, but it's like the kind of spontaneity around it where all of a sudden you're just adding, maybe you've got a hundred dollar bill at Target. And all of a sudden it's $110 because you, you pulled a magazine from Oprah and you've got a, you've got a thing of gum. And if those are your things, those are your things. But for most sure. people, it's like, mm, I'll just put this in the, in the cart. So literally, adding 10%, right, to your lifestyle Mm -hmm. 
by doing things like that. And I just thought to myself, I just never buy that stuff. And that's because I have this say no to say yes. Like we've been very clear and intentional and really put our wealth building goals first so that we can look up and and really be where we are today, which is financially free. You know, we hit our FU number quite a while ago and really to be able to do whatever we want. But that took 10 years of delayed gratification, right? Which is, that's not fun. Which is huge. Yeah, which is huge. Okay, so let's talk to the people who are opposite of that, who are prone to buy the Oprah magazine and the gum. Me, pick me. <laughs> because because I, you know, um, this is a really huge, huge focus in my life and topic. And, and I see it um, uh, in my finances and in my weight and my health. Uh, this, 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 you know, uh, lifetime habit of instant gratification, right? And uh, awareness mm-hmm. is the first step in that. And then the second is figuring yes. it out. So, so uh, I have a hack. I have a hack. Now, this may not be the purest hack, meaning there's probably a lot of people listening that are like, well, you're not really um, curing it, right? You know, I'm going to tell you anyway. I'm going to tell you my hack anyway. So we <laughs> we we got a million-dollar portfolio this year, $985,000 portfolio as of the last time I tracked my net worth, which was uh, in the last week. And uh, we um, – so we bought about uh, eight properties this year. And what my hack is is that – Thank that's you. That's awesome. I'm over here clapping. But that, yeah, that's uh, awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I feel great about it. Awesome. And, and I look at what we spent to get there. So we spent um, all in cash with repairs. And well, that's not actually, it, it's probably about 350000 cash that we spent for that, for that um, yeah. total package. So um, that's just cash. That's not debt. That's cash, right? And I look yeah. at that 350000 and I know that sounds like a lot of money. We had some saved up walking into this. So, uh, you know, we didn't generate, it just, just be clear, we walked into this with about 250000 saved up and then the other 130000 we funded throughout the year. Here's my point in sharing that with you. Um, I have blown and squandered 350000 in more ways than I can share cruises, vacations, none of which I necessarily regret, like they're great memories, but clothes, designer, you name it. I I can blow a lot of money. That is my inclination. I am that instant gratification person. I am the complete opposite of these amazing women who have lived this life of discipline and delayed (laughs) gratification. And so what I did was I just replaced the hunger and I just sort of said, look, mm-hmm. I want to get hungry for assets and I want to get hungry for net worth. And I scratched that itch in a different way. And uh, for me, that worked. You know, it just I switched my passion and my the, the way I get gratified, the dopamine hits that I was getting from the other things. Mm-hmm. I simply changed to that. What I have noticed is because I have a big belief in my life when I've made big change, behavior comes first, mindset second. Not everybody mm-hmm. teaches that for me. Behavior, same with weight loss. If I just do, Mm -hmm. I don't want to work out. I don't want to eat right. So I have to change the behavior first reluctantly. And then my brain starts following. So now, you know, uh, a year or so into this journey, it's really, it's really been a four-year journey. But so four years into this journey, uh, I have a much better mindset about delayed gratification. But it changed, the Mm -hmm. way I changed the behavior originally was substitution. Mm-hmm. Right or wrong, that's you what know, I did. You know, I, I just put a higher awesome. value on it. Yeah. 
Well, you know what? I Know thyself but is one is, of the first things of being an investor, right? Is know thyself. Know, and I, I'm thinking to um, Sarah's health episode when she yeah. said nothing tastes as good as healthy feels. Yeah. And what I'm hearing you say is nothing feels as good as wealthy does, right? And Great analogy. It is. It's so awesome hearing that substitution and replacement of one dopamine for another. You're replacing that gratification with something that truly is feeding you today and the future. So I just, I want to take a moment and applaud you for that because I know that that has been something where you had to become aware, very intentional, very mindful of it. And then you had to act, which is the second hardest part of that. And uh, you've done it in a massive way. And it's been really, really cool to watch. So I just, I want to give you huge kudos because it's been really cool. Thank you. It's not for kudos. I just want other people who, you know, are more impulsive like I am to hear that, you know, you can do it. You can do it. You just have to figure it out. Yeah, you're doing it for you. You're not doing it for attention. Well, it's also kind of examining your patterns, right? Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. it's like a a life examined, right? Is a life worth living? And um, just understanding like what made you the way that you were. Mm -hmm. Like nobody is a compulsive shopper at age two. You know, it's not something you're born with. And just thinking back on like, oh gosh, well, why do I, why do I, why do I want to buy that purse when I know it's going to hurt my family? You know, Mm -hmm. it's like- Especially coming off of you know Christmas, right? Um, we're we're in, here in January of 2023, and a lot of people are looking and thinking like, "Wow, I'm in so much debt." You know, what is it that made you do that? Like I always tell people, I don't need to go in debt to show people that I love them, yeah. right? Or I don't need to I don't need to go into debt to make myself just feel good, right? Uh, but understanding why you why some people do need to do that. Like what? What was it about your upbringing or the way you saw life, or you know, what are what are those things? And um, yeah. just thinking about that. And I know we're going to move on to the to the third one. Um, my my really really great point, and my wrap up on that is that that comes um, the the awareness of that because um, it's I'm about four years into this journey, and so for all of you listening who maybe relate to that. Um, it does come, that analysis comes over time because I really have truly lost my desire, my, my drive to get a lot of that stuff, right? But the, it, I didn't try to overanalyze it at first. And I don't mm-hmm. think there's a right or wrong. I simply tried to change my behavior at first. It, it wasn't mm-hmm. good. I was kicking and screaming like it wasn't fun. I just want to be clear. I yeah. wasn't that analytical and reflective on year one. Now, year one, it was it was it felt like scarcity, like I was losing a lot of fun mm-hmm. things. You know, we have not mm-hmm. traveled as much as as I would like to, and you know, various things. But um, but when do you write? Over time, you you get you do get more reflective over that. I think, and then like I, you know, you just um, the the wins that come that came that I might have felt temporarily from those other purchases are now replaced by the you know the deep gratification. And satisfaction and feeling of security I have for me and my family of building my net worth. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, yeah, and just to end kind of that last tactic, uh, which is don't give up what you want most for what you want now. Richard Scott said that. So perfect. Mm -hmm. All right. So our tactic number three is to really pay your investment fund first. And that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's exactly what you're saying, Via, which is mm-hmm. to what a lot of people do is they get paid and they buy all the things that they want or need and uh, whatever is left over, then they dump that into savings mm-hmm. and they dump that into their investment account. 
and really adopting a different mindset around that, which is to pay your investment fund first is a Mm -hmm. a massive, massive habit. Uh, When Jay and I started to go down our investment journey, we were both, uh, you know, we didn't have businesses. We're, you know, young, starting out in our careers. Uh, And I worked for the state of Texas. Jay was the lowest paid employee at Keller Williams International. And I share that not, not to like make Jay embarrassed, but I think a lot of people, when I share my story, people are like, oh, well, Jay works for Gary and you have this big real estate team and blah, 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 blah. And the reality is is we started out very modestly. And so what we did is is we said, okay, we're going to take $1,500 a month and we're going to put that in a totally separate account. And that account is not connected to our bank. It's in a completely different bank. We don't have access to it. It's not easy to transfer back and forth. We just made it very, very difficult for us to get. And then we were both putting money into that automatically from both of our paychecks every single month. And that habit was very, very, very powerful. So paying your investment fund first is, it's everything. Yeah. I love that. And I mean, not everyone can start off that way, Wendy. And so, you know, that's, that's a goal to, to get there. This is the time Mm -hmm. to talk about side hustles and bringing Mm -hmm. in extra income. Um, There's a moment of, of pain. What I did is remargined my my life. I sold my house. I mean, I, we we literally, you know, made our expenses. I think we, you know, about two thirds of our previous expenses so that we could kind of do that. So you, you can be drastic, you can be gradual about it. You can either make more income or you can decrease expenses. But um, if you can't do that right away, you know, that Mm -hmm. that's what we, that's what one would aspire to. That's what you would aspire to. Well, and I, you know, I would argue that, so you can do it in a very drastic way. So if you're thinking like, Ooh, I can't really, I don't, I can't, I don't have an extra $1,500 in my budget. And we're not like, I've never, I like a nice cocktail. Like I like to go out for coffee. I like to do things with friends. So this idea of like penny pinching was never really my thing. And so what we did starting out is actually, we did kind of the opposite of what Via did is we kept our housing expenses very low. So uh, 50% of a typical American budget is spent on transportation and housing. So if you can somehow slash those as a part of your budget, which is exactly what Via did, right? You remargined your life. That's a great way to to put it. Um, you can you can actually come up with enough money to 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 start a start an investment account. And I had a um, a young woman on my real estate team. She came to me and she said, "Wendy, I really want to buy my first house in a year." And she said, I just don't know how to do it. I'm looking at all my expenses. I just don't know how I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I said, let's look at your budget. And she was spending about $1,700 a month uh, in a apartment in downtown Austin, furnished apartment in downtown Austin, living alone. And I said to her, that's got to go. And she's like, well, I really like that. You know, I like living downtown. I like having this sweet furnished place. You know, I like having my privacy. You know, I work with people a lot and- and I was like, well, that's that's the main thing that you've got to do. So show me how you're going to fix that. So she moved out of her furnished apartment in downtown Austin. And she moved into a house with two other uh, roommates 
further from downtown, you know, not in necessarily like the hottest location in Austin. And her monthly rent went from $1,700 to $600 a month. This is actually possible for everybody listening, for almost everybody listening. Yeah. And so she took that $1,100 and she put it into an account where she paid her investment fund first. She said, I now have $1,100 a month. And within one year, she was able to buy her first home. That's how you do it. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's exa- it's it. exactly what Via did. So you either sell your $2 million house and move into a $1 million house, which is basically what you did, right? That's what I did. Yeah. Or if you're renting, you think about how can I live with, how can I live with some roommates? And I've actually heard of, um, I talked with a woman, I was on her podcast. I can't remember her name. She's up in Dallas. Um, and they did exactly that. They they sold their house and they moved into an apartment. They were a young family. They had, they had two young mm-hmm. kids. And that's how they were able to save enough money to, to to buy that first investment. Nick and I stayed in an apartment for um, through our first two property purchases. Yeah. And it was a really low, not great. I mean, you know, we weren't living in the slums, but it was not like the bougiest mm-hmm. house. Mm-hmm. It was just living way, way, way below. I mean, we had patio furniture as our dining table for a while, not because we were trying to slum it, but just we had like just like we returned our wedding gifts, we just had really big goals of the wealth side we were wanting mm-hmm. to build. And that was more important than anything else that we had at the time. Um, and so we just sacrificed in other areas. Um, but th- I'm not saying you need to go to that extent, but it did, we were at the age where, you know, if you're in your 20s, early 30s, and you're hearing this, you know, and you're experiencing that, there are things you could do pretty easily that would stack up your cash pretty fast. Well, and you can also house hack. And so uh, I'm coaching uh, an Mm -hmm. agent right now and a real estate agent. And we had a coaching session this week and um, we're in a tight real estate market for real estate. And a lot of agents are not making the same income. And so we started looking at, I said, can you short term rent? Can you Airbnb your basement, your your lower floor? And that's exactly what he's going to work on over the next 30 to 45 days is, you know, getting that ready to short term rent. I said, you need to, you know, he has homework. He's going to research what he think he can get, how many nights mm-hmm. he can get, you know, and all these things. So, you know, he's not going to sell that asset, but he he's going to hopefully, um, you know, squeeze some income out of it. Yeah. Well, and I have multiple examples of people in my world. You know, I had a woman who worked with me on my real estate team. She was actually married. She was a young mom. She had a baby and they knew they wanted to save up for their next investment property. So they got a roommate. Which is yeah. which is hard for a lot of people to understand, you know. I mean, if you travel overseas, you've got five. Sometimes you go to countries and they've got five people living in each room. But here we like our space, you know. And yeah. that may not work for you. But think about like, gosh, if you could get a roommate for six months, three months, get a side hustle like Via was talking about for three months, drive Uber for four months. Like probably if you're working a, you know, a regular job, you've got at least eight hours a day where you're probably not doing much with it, spending time with family, watching TV, whatever that looks like, um, get a, get a side hustle, right? Get a roommate and it doesn't have to be forever, right? It's just until you hit your goal, um, so that you can, so that you can do, yeah. So that you can do tactic three, which is to pay your investment fund first. And, uh, so yeah, yeah. So I'll just, I'll just wrap up this one. Um, this was second part of our six-part series on wealth building. And today was a really important one. Today's a hard one. Say no to say yes. Hard tactic. It's Mm -hmm. essentially delayed gratification, right? You might feel poor 
for a while, right? You might feel poor for a while if you guys are implementing this tactic. Uh, so make sure you implement that one. Oh, and I forgot the most important one, net worth. I don't know what I was thinking there. <laughs> I went straight to tactic two. So <laughs> tactic one, track your net worth, track it monthly. Okay. Tactic two, say no to say yes. And the great thing about tactic one and two is that if you're tracking your net worth, it makes you less likely to buy stuff. Okay. So if you're tracking your net worth and you buy it and you buy a new sofa, guess what happens to your net worth? Hey, it goes down right? You don't want that. And then uh, you've got number three, which is to take some of that extra income and pay your investment fund first. So stay tuned guys for episode three, which is going to be another six, another three tactics on wealth building, building massive wealth. And don't forget to go out there and build big businesses and even bigger lives. Bye guys. Thanks, Love everyone. it. Bye guys. Just a reminder, you guys, as we are running through this awesome wealth building and money series with you, we just want to give you a quick blanket reminder because our friends at Keller Williams and the legal team would thank us for it, that we are not financial advisors, CPA, tax advisors, or anyone that is tied to your individual finances. So if you are wanting more information about this, these are tips, ideas, tactics, and ways in which you can build wealth. But always find a seasoned professional that is a seasoned professional in this specific field that you're needing help with to assist you in your finance, tax, or wealth building journey.